In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about spit, teeth, and a laser cat in our discussion of The Grimmer by Naben Ruthnam. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss The Grimmer by Naben Ruthman. Standard disclaimer. I feel like I had a lot of spit in my mouth just then. Standard disclaimer. <laughs> if you That's haven't so read this book, so sexy. please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. The fact that you had so much spit in your mouth is so on brand for this book. Right? It's right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start spitting. I'm going to start spitting all over the place. I mean, if you do, I'm ending this call right now. And then you have to drink it. So good. Background information. <laughs> Moving on. Background information. Oh, I read an article that I found on cbc.ca. In this article, they say, your last book before The Grimmer was an adult horror novella, which is why I picked this question and answer because I was like, ooh, adult horror novella. Okay, yeah, Dunsies. <laughs> but then they ask, what was your impetus to write YA horror? And his response is, the ideas just come when they come. Help meet is something that I had actually conceived as of a film idea that never really manifested. So then I was like, oh, yes, a short story that he wanted it to be, or a novella that he wanted to be a, like, a film. Yes, yes, sold. Anyway, but then he says he wrote it in five days. And that's hey, all about... that's possible. And that's not about the grimmer. It's about his horror novella, Help Me. Anyway. He goes on to say, it's such a different kind of horror, like, keep your kids away from it. So, again, sold, reading that. It's quite intensely gory. Yes, another check mark. But the grimmer actually came from almost a fondness and nostalgia, not just for my own childhood, but for the ghostly and horror books that I was reading at, that, at the age that Vish is in the book. So it almost came from the sort of sweet Ray Bradbury world of horror that sense of a permanent autumn and nostalgia place where things can be confronted and then resolved. Uh, but really, uh, I just picked that because of all the stuff about his other stuff. <laughs> yes! Need it! Sorry. But it's fine. <laughs> I, I, I like how the... the, the, the realistically the, the true point of this podcast isn't to discuss books it's just to find a ton of other ones that you want to read yeah 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 and it's to uh find authors that we haven't read before and then creepily latch onto them oh yeah well if you're not doing it creepily you're doing it right just, you know skittering yeah skittering full of spit I'm gonna peel Stop my saying. peel my face off and put it on the windshield. 
I'm perfectly fine with that. Do that. Just don't spit. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm spit everywhere. And then again, Disgusting. you have to drink it. I love it. It's so good. Um, did you have any initial thoughts? I'm changing my initial thought to this entire episode was designed to try and make me vomit. So let's see if it happens. Yeah. I'm sorry that they spit so much, but also at the same time, I'm not because it's fantastic. You're not. Don't lie. That you don't lie. lie. You blatantly sat there and lied to me. I did. I just did. I just lied. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You're not. Just I'm lies not. upon lies upon lies. Yeah. Give me your initial thoughts. Let's start with the summary just to stop this. This this betrayal. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, my initial thoughts are another lie, another lie. <laughs> my initial thoughts are not a lie. That I was really excited to find this one in our inbox. We got this one just a couple months ago, and I mentioned it in a new and indie spotlight. But all the while, I was talking to. Nabin's um, publicist like hi can he please come on our show and talk about this I mean they sent us the books in the mail they're beautiful everything about it is amazing and I was like yeah we need we need this and then it matched up with our monthly theme <laughs> like oh, yep perf- perfect everything Mwah. about it it's is all amazing. wibbly wobbly timey wimey yep. time travel yep amazing yep amazing. it was just it was perfect so it was it was such a good find in our inbox. Yes, we gladly accept books via email slash bookmail. We do. We bookmail is so exciting. I know. <laughs> it makes me feel special when we get bookmail. It does, and I like the fact that you don't tell me when we're going to get bookmail, and I'm like, oh, yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I love the cover of this book too. Like it came in the mail and I opened it up and I was just like, oh, it's so good. Everything about it. The last thing that happens in the book on the thing, I'm trying to be, I'm not giving spoilers until we get to it. I can imagine that entire book cover being on the thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. Or on the thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Those were. That was really good. And, like, not at all obvious. <laughs> Can we get started? Please. Vish Maria wants to go to the bookstore. Same Z's. Yeah. And he's shouting through the air vent to his mom, Anji, begging for a ride. She refuses, says he can get a ride with his dad. Munish, but to hurry his butt up. Bish really missed talking to his mom through the air vent over the two years that he was at boarding school in Vancouver, but he's back now, and he's back for good. Bish spent his time at boarding school alone, relying on music and books for company, and now that he's home, he doesn't really want to see anyone he knows until he has to, and that includes Matt and Danny. Twin brothers that look nothing alike, who are, or maybe were, 
his mm. best friends. You know, it really sucks to be Vish right now, though, because Matt is, like, looking at him through the window like a creepy creep. <laughs> it's not okay, man. <laughs> Matt wants to talk to Vish and has wanted to for the last two years. He wants Vish to say he's pissed at him and his brother for telling the music teacher that his dad was a drug addict and that his parents were sending Vish away until his dad got clean. Matt and Danny have apologised like countless times in their letters. They know it's on them and they are sorry. Vish did not respond to any of the letters. They stayed after school to jam and when Matt and Danny asked Vish if they were going to start a band or not, Vish broke down and told them everything. By Monday, the whole school knew. Now, they just wish Vish would come over and jam a bit more or watch movies or something. Vish shows Matt his untouched red Stratocaster guitar and walks away. Ah, oh, bird. <laughs> Vish's dad says he'll take Vish to his office and that he can walk to the bookstore from there. His dad doesn't want to listen to any of Vish's music, which is a mistake because Vish has mm. good taste in music. Mm. So the car trip is completely and awkwardly silent. At the office, they part ways, his dad telling Vish that he would like to see him start to hang out with Matt and Danny again. Vish snaps, reminding his father he spent the last two years alone because of him. Damn it. Harsh but true. Harsh but true. Harsh. Vish walks over to the bookstore, Grey Cat Books. As Vish looks at the books, he daydreams about going from reading them to creating them to inhabiting them. As Vish is wrapped up in the occult section, he is interrupted by the clerk, warning him the Necromonicon isn't what he thinks it is. <laughs> they talk a bit before the clerk, Agastya, asks Vish to look after the store while he goes upstairs to do sad things in his bathroom and take a couple of Tylenol. Oh, same, We've all man. been there. Same. We've all been there. We've all same. been there. <laughs> About five minutes ago. <laughs> As Agastya walks past him, Vish picks up the faint smell of booze. Not long after, a customer walks in, a classy goth-looking teen girl. Trying not to be the creepy clerk who follows the customer around, Vish occupies himself by looking at the books. But then he's interrupted by a creepy pale dude with the thinnest moustache and eyebrows Vish has ever seen. Something is definitely off about him and it's not just his bad facial hair. The goth girl confronts the creepy guy when he asks Vish if he's related to the bookstore owner because they have the same skin colour. Turns out, goth girl knows creepy dude's name, Mr. Farris, and she berates him. Yeah, nah dog, that's not okay. Nah, Fox. (laughs) Not okay. You can't do that. No. I know no. that this was the 90s, and so it's, like, different, but nah. 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 You can't. Don't do it. Nah. During the confrontation, Mr. Ferris grabs Goth Girl and presses his thumb into her palm, and then Goth Girl spits at him, which is gross. But then Vish sees that the spit created a hole in the creepy guy's cheek. Um, what? What the hell is happening right now? 
Indignant, Mr. Ferris says he will leave these rude people and gives Vish a message for Agastya. Mr. Ferris has come round. Tell him we all know we're in the last fortnight. And then like an asshole, he explains what a fortnight is. He also says some weird things about getting new flesh and Vish being protected. During all this, Vish finds it difficult to look away from the weird finger-like thing moving under Mr. Ferris's shirt. Nah. 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 Mm-hmm. nah. 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 Mr. Ferris tries to approach Vish, but Goth Girl, who we now find out is called Gisela, shouts at Vish to never touch him. Easy. That's that's easy. Fine. Yeah. Consider it a done deal because yeah. that guy is yuck. Well, Agastya has been earwigging the entire time and announces his arrival by falling spectacularly down the stairs while checking out the house is gone. Classy. Gisela and Agastya have a quiet conversation and Vish only catches one word. Grimmer. Then he demands to know what's going on or he'll tell everyone. But Gisela calls him out. I mean, who is literally going to, like, believe him that she spat a hole in a guy? Anywho. Meanwhile, something catches Vish's attention at the top of the stairs. The little he could see before Giselle closed the door wasn't human, but also not an animal he recognised. Vish buys his books with a 30% discount, thank you very much for looking after the store, and then Agastya tells Giselle that Vish has seen a lot, and that they should tell him more about what's going on. Agastya invites Vish to chat, so they lock up the store and head out for ice cream. Mm-hmm. I really uh, appreciate this scene because Vish is like, you know, I watched that special and like, I'm not supposed to go to the second location with kidnappers, but I'm going to the second location with kidnappers. But they got me ice cream, (laughs) so it's fine. (laughs) Agastya explains that Mr. Ferris is a shell that holds Noxair and his current flesh sack is deteriorating. And... What are the Noxair? Terrible souls of terrible people that Ferris ate, tricking them into believing they will live forever. Ah. Uh, mm. Also, they're kind of like vampire-y. That old nutshell. Yeah, uh, yeah. Agastya and Gisela have been waiting for Vish to come to the bookshop because Agastya's late wife, Isla, knew Vish was going to be a part of this. This time and this place, especially the lake that they're sitting next to, are packed with magical potential right now, and Ferris knows it. He has been waiting for over a thousand years, collecting over 12,000 dying people while following Isla's trail because she knew important information that Ferris needs to basically take over the world. And since her death, he's followed Agastya's trail. Isla hid whatever she knew and protected both Agastya and Gisela with magic. Isla's spells were complex, and Gisela can only do so much to protect them now. Because of their shared skin color, Ferris is convinced Agastya and Vish are protected from him because of Isla's magic. Again, nah dog, you can't do that. Let's assume everything. Gisela explains that magic is all about finding gaps in the world, looking for them and making them. Faris filled his gaps with 12,000 dead people. (laughs) (laughs) 
Gisela then shows Vish an example of magic by making a cup of water vibrate apart into atoms. She tells him they need to stop Mr. Farris from bringing all the dead people back because if he does, each of these souls will take over bodies from the populace of the city. It's not a possession. They'll actually take over. Yikes. Vish says he'll help out, but only if they answer his questions. Firstly, what was that thing in the apartment? It was nothing. And second, what is a grimmer? You are, Vish. Gisela then offers Vish a job because they want to keep him around as a distraction to stop Pharaoh from taking over the world. Nice. Does that come with hazard pay? He'll think about it. For now, he needs to meet his dad. Vish's parents say no to the job. He has to do some serious negotiating for them to finally relent, including agreeing to start therapy to process and heal from his father's former drug addiction. Later that night, Vish waits to hear his parents go to bed to watch TV and eat chocolates he hid during his last visit home. Something outside catches his eye. A giant shadow, darker than the night, followed by a very white face that turns toward the house. Vish goes out to investigate and hears a slurping noise. A creature unfolds its inhumanly long limbs and Ferris takes shape before blowing away into the night. Nah. Nothing that slurps, nothing that scuttles, and nothing that unfolds is good. No. On Saturday morning, Angie meets with Agastya to vet Grey Cat before allowing Vish to take the offered job. It's so embarrassing. But it is necessary to get his parents' agreement. Finally, his mom leaves with the promise to pick him up for his two, two for his first therapy appointment. Vish tells Agastya about what he saw last night and Agastya reassures Vish he is protected. In the change he was given from his book purchase, Agastya gave him a protective amulet with an asteroid shard inside. Later, Agastya heads upstairs and leaves Vish to watch the old portable TV behind the counter, sitting at an old crate and holding Moby, the bookstore cat. It's Isla, or at least an illusion of Isla, explaining things Agastya hasn't yet covered. The bookstore fades away and Vish is standing with Isla in a fake-looking graveyard. Isla shows Vish an illusion of his amulet being created before being blown away. Isla explains she was a real person, a witch who could move through space and time because she understood how. She explains that a witch made the mistake of teaching Mr. Farris how to as well, and he used it to eat people. A crypt door opens and Farris enters the illusion, but luckily Moby leaps at Farris and burrows his claws into him. Agastya comes back and turns the TV off, bringing Vish out of the illusion. Fifteen minutes before the end of his shift, Gisela comes into the store. Vish accuses Gisela and Agastya of not telling him everything, especially after what Isla said in the illusion. After some tasteless remarks, Vish walks out of the store and Gisela follows him. She invites him to a music festival that night and tells him she can only depend on him since Agastya is drunk most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) and then she says she'll tell him more later that night vish needing some honesty asks how old gisela is and she reveals that she has two ages 16 and 783 Ah. (laughs) 
That's a lot of candles for a cake. Yeah. <laughs> After Gisela leaves, Vish waits outside for his mom, who takes him to his therapy session with Rita Gudis. Angie leaves Vish outside Rita's hall, where she has her therapy sessions. Vish heads to the garage entrance as instructed, but it's dark inside. As he reaches for the doorknob, he touches flesh instead. Ew. It's Mr. Farris. And he creepily says, Tricked you. Gross. Nah. Mr. Farris then starts pulling out his yellow upper teeth. And once all six are out... He grabs fish and pushes the teeth onto Vish's tongue and forces his mouth closed. <laughs> this disgusting scene is interrupted by Rita Goodis's tabby cat Buddy biting Faris's ankle, driving him away. In reflex, Vish swallows the teeth and can feel them in his stomach. <laughs> uh, we all go yuck and Amanda is delighted. Creepy teeth stab! <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Vish tries to quietly throw up the teeth in Rita's bathroom, but it's no good. Instead, he takes the amulet from his wallet and wedges it behind one of his back teeth. Rita wants an informal first session, so she introduces herself, her history with his family, and talks about what their sessions could do. Vish opens up and starts to get things off his chest. After dinner, Vish heads to meet Gisela at the Cultural Centre for the concert. He needs to tell her about the teeth, which he can still feel inside his stomach. <laughs> you are looking far too delighted by all this teeth talk, Amanda. As Vish and Gisela go to talk, he sees Matt and Danny go inside the Cultural Centre. Gisela doesn't believe him at first. I mean, why, why, why does she not believe him? I mean, but when Vish fades out and seems to channel Faris, Gisela slaps him hard and drags him to the magically important lake. At the lake, Gisela orders Vish into the water, tells him to submerge himself and drink the water until the teeth come out. As Vish feels the teeth coming up, he starts to feel and see the magic in the water and throws up five of the six teeth. Uh-oh. He's missing one. Ooh. Gisela is very worried because there's still one tooth left. So she'll need to work something out. But in the meantime, Vish needs to be careful. Gisela explains the concentrated magic in the water pulled the teeth and the magic of them out of Vish. All except for that last one. If she or Ferris were to go in the lake, they would be pulled apart completely. Ferris needs the magic in the lake to give bodies to all the people he's eaten, but to do that, he needs to know all 12,000 plus names. But he's lost them. That's so careless. Isla got the list of all the people Ferris has absorbed and hid them, and now they need to find the list before Ferris does. After this revelation, Fish and Gisela head to Grey Cat Books because he doesn't want to be around people right now, and I totally get that. <laughs> they chit-chat, mainly about Gisela's past and how she found her ability with magic and about her time with Isla, all the while eating mint chocolates Isla had hidden in the bookstore floorboards. Vish lets Gisela talk until she declares that they should go see a bad rock show. <laughs> 
Gisela heads to the bathroom while Vish peers. However, Matt and Danny have Vish's wallet, which he'd forgotten at home, and his mom left with them. They have questions about who Gisela is, and Matt says he's sick of saying sorry, while Danny, he'll keep apologising as long as he needs to to repair their friendship. Suddenly, their fight is over, and the friends again, and decide they're going to start a band. That feels like such a teenage boy way of resolution, like finding resolution. You just... I'm going to talk it out for five minutes, and then... You're right. You're fine. Yeah. And then you start a band. Yeah. Gisela comes back and offers to sing for them in their band, which she has done so to secretly recruit more loyal hands to their Faris fighting cause. The more they know, the safer they'll be and the more they'll be able to help. And so they'll tell them all they need to know eventually, but not right now. It's inappropriate they're at a concert. Bish can tell Gisela is keeping things from him, and she is because she can't trust him with Faris's tooth still in him, which means they can't tell Matt and Danny what's going on either. Vish, full of anxiety, heads to the bathroom and vomits the last tooth up. Hey. Anxiety vibrating the tooth yeah. out of his gullet. Vish gets a ride home with Matt and Danny and finds his mom in the kitchen, hacked up on coffee, looking at real estate listings. Angie confesses confesses she got into a fight with his dad, who left in his car. She hoped to pick Vish up. Just then, the lights of a police car pull onto their drive. The police tell them that Munish is in a medically induced coma after his car crash into a cement median at 80 kilometers an hour. Anji is sure the pills are back, but Vish isn't. He thinks Ferris used his body to do something to his dad's car. In the morning, Anji urges Vish to go to work. In Grey Cat books, Vish tells Agastya he's sure Faris made him do something to his dad's car. As Vish and Agastya start arguing about what's going on, Gisela comes in and reassures Vish that his dad will be okay. Gisela takes Vish into Agastya's apartment, telling him she has something to show him. Gisela opens one of the kitchen cabinets and releases a giant spider-like creature with tentacles that crawls on Vish. I am delighted. <laughs> Everything turns black as a sharp fang pokes into his ribs. Yes. Sharp pointy fang. After waking up, Gisela grinds up the tooth Vish vomited up in a mortar and pestle and explains the spidery tentacled creature is called Zerg. Delicious. And that's what happens when three witches make a little transportation miscalculation and some of their body parts fuse and then the others got lost across time awkward it's terrible zerg is now something like a helpful spidery tentacled demon and i want a plushy version I know, I want one. <laughs> gisella and moby the cat spit and heck up a hairball into the mortar, and Gisela tells Vish to drink up in order to fully clean Ferris from him. Nah, nah, dog. Vish drinks and immediately throws up the liquid, turning to a hard substance, then to powder when Moby steps on it. 
Agastya comes into the apartment then, pleased that Vish is finally rid of Ferris so they can tell him the rest. Isla didn't hide the list of Ferris's victims in a book or in the walls. She hid them inside Vish's mind. She opened a gap into his head and read every single name to him a couple of years ago when he was in the bookstore. I hope she gave him a discount. (laughs) I'm surprised he's got enough room in there for everything else. Well, apparently you don't use all of your brains, so... Magic. Magic and gaps and spit. (laughs) Stop saying (laughs) something. Later, Angie Costa announced that Manish is awake and his bloodstream was clean of drugs. But he says he saw a peeled face just before the crash, which to Angie sounds drug-induced, but to Vish sounds just like Varys. Angie has also arranged for Matt and Danny to sleep over as she's going to spend the night at the hospital. Vish leaves the bookstore carrying the heavy suitcase Gisela packed for him that he'll need later. On the way home, Vish stops by his dad's office and sees Rita Goodis leaving the vet next to his dad's office with her cat Buddy in his carrier. Vish explains what has happened to his dad and Rita says she'll go to visit him. Vish asks Rita if he can look after Buddy, thinking of how cats react to Faris violently. And Rita agrees. Agastya comes by in his car and gives Vish and Buddy a ride home. As he leaves, Agastya confirms he and Gisela will be over later that night. Vish calls Matt and Danny, asking for them to come over later because he needs to sleep for a few hours. As he drifts off, he sees Zerg watching over him. In his dreams, Ferris is waiting for him so he can threaten him, but he isn't looking so good. It takes a lot to maintain his human shell, and you know, when he's splattered on the windshield of Vicious Dad's car, he kind of took off his eyelids with his windshield wipers. Also, you know, he's been attacked by cats a thousand times, so he's got scratches all over him. And also, because he keeps pulling his teeth out and putting them into people's mouths, all of his teeth are gone. (laughs) (laughs) He's not looking good. No, no, no. Vish notices, though he may be cold in his dream, he isn't scared. I mean, could you be scared? Of this guy, he's barely even a guy anymore. There's part of us that thinks he's probably quite creepy and horrible looking, but there's another part that just, like, lol. (laughs) Because also he's probably wearing a windbreaker and a big ugly hat. (laughs) I mean, I can't take him seriously just for the bad facial hair, or lack thereof, really, now. Anyway... Ferris monologues about taking Vish's body and using it to kill his parents. Yada, yada, yada. And then he also talks about all the lies that the witches spew and how honest he's been with Vish. I don't think so, man. Vish wakes up suddenly just before his alarm goes off. Feeling completely unrested, Vish gets ready for Matt and Danny to come over. That's the worst when you have a nap and you're not feeling rested oh, afterwards. Oh, no. No. It's the worst. No. I, I love a nap. Yes. 
Over Peter, Vish tells Matt and Danny everything in a fevered monologue. He did warn them that it would make him sound crazy. Matt and Danny try to reason out what Vish told them and ultimately come up with cult stuff. <sighs> Vish calls Gisela to help, who magically disappears her hand into a tree to show them that magic is real, which works a treat. This is good, as Gisela tells Vish they need to get the names out of his head tonight with Matt and Danny's help. Gisela tells them the names of the 12,506 dead souls aren't just letters and spaces and sounds, but that each Naxair's name is only half of them, and the other half is the flesh that Mr. Farris ate. Names bring the energy needed to make contact through the portal and take a new body on the other side. If the list is extracted and destroyed, they can make it so the dead things will never get back into the world. Tonight, the portal is ready to spill over, so they have to get the names out now. Agastya arrives with a duffel bag and typewriters and honestly looks awful. He had some Dutch courage in the car, but before Vish and Agastya can start in on each other, Gisela orders everyone to prepare. They need to move the furniture, set the paper and typewriters out, and lay planes of glass around the room. Gisela and Vish kneel in front of the fireplace, and she explains that Vish is Isla's last grimoire. Gisela, dressed in a blue mask and hood, invokes a spell, and it sounds like she's speaking in many voices as she walks around the room. Then she uses ash from the fireplace to paralyze Vish, who starts feeling colder and colder, unable to move and feeling disconnected from his body. Agastya comes over with the amulet in his hand, and at Gisela's unseen command, pushes it into the slit of the blue mask's mouth. The amulet starts to glow and grow hot. Agastya starts ablaze in the fireplace, and Gisela spits the amulet into the flames. So much more spit. Unintentionally, Vish speaks and says a name. The sound turns to rotten flesh in the air for a second as Gisela keys the name onto the typewriter and it disappears and emerges on the paper. Vish watches Matt, Danny and Gisela type endless names being spoken from his still body. Vish doesn't want to watch, so he takes his incorporeal self for a wonder. Buddy clearly watching him, the incorporeal self. In the, hall, in the hallway, Vish finds the front door open and a mass he at first thought was a gaseous duffel bag moving. But it's not the bag. It's Mr. Farris, and he looks rotten. Vish tries to cry out, but he has no body. But Mr. Farris can still hear him. Farris thanks Vish for leaving his body because it makes things so much easier for him. Can I just say how bad Mr. Farris must look if he was confused for a duffel bag? Oh, yes. <laughs> that He's looking rough. Vish's incorporeal form goes looking for Buddy to help scare Ferris away, and returning to the living room, he finds that Ferris has nearly reached Matt. Agastya comes running in, screaming his name, and grabs the mask that is Ferris and pulls him away. Since Agastya touched Ferris, Ferris can hurt him now. Ferris sinks his fingers into Agastya's arms, his skin sloughing from his skeleton and melting onto Agastya. The typing stops, and Gisela stands holding Buddy. 
She demands Ferris let Agastya go. Agastya, in Ferris's voice, tells Gisela he's taken this one, but he'd be happy to make an arrangement to get him back. Gisela puts her hand on Buddy's back and then throws a bright light that came from the cat straight into Ferris, freeing Agastya. Vish's body then continues to speak the names, and Gisela gets back to work. Soon, all 12,506 names have been put on the paper, and Vish comes back to his body. Matt and Daddy's hands are killing them, unsurprisingly, and Gisela needs a coffee before the next stage of the plan. Agastya is asleep on the sofa, barely alive, the right sleeve of his shirt dangling empty, black skin on his chest, and a terrible wheeze as he breathes. Buddy is rewarded with two cans of salmon for his heroic act. Gisela tells him that the cats collect and store vibrational frequencies, and that extreme emotions have a vibrational level of magic. Buddy, being a therapist's cat, has been exposed to more vibrational magic than the typical tabby, and Gisela was able to harness this and turn it into a ball of light and energy that was able to finish Faris off. Laser cat. Laser cats. Now it's time for the last stage. They need to take the names and what's left of Ferris to the rift and send them out of the world forever. Matt and Danny collect the papers with the names and roll them up tightly into logs, while Gisela scoops up the liquid remains of Mr. Ferris. They put the paper, Ferris, and the amulet into the smoldering fireplace. Gisela then takes the amulet, pops it into her mouth, speaks a quiet spell, and spits the amulet back into the fire. So much mm. spitting. The amulet turns into a huge golden sphere that encompasses all the ash, papers, and remains. They take it and head to the lake. At the lake, the waves seem to move strangely like something is underneath. Agastya turns to Gisela and says he wants to finish their task with his own face, and she tells him he just needs to put his face in the water and Ida's work will be undone. After doing so, Agastya looks and sounds different. He is Vish, only 20 years older. Agastya Vish isn't the same person as Vish is now. He's made a lot of mistakes in his life, including never reconnecting with Matt and Danny after returning from boarding school. He says he kept running away from good things and started drinking not long after college. He tells Vish that he can't turn into him, or that he, at least, needs to avoid the bad parts. Agastya Vish then tells Gisela the keys to his car and the ownership of Greycat books are hers. Hefting the golden orb, Agastya Vish walks into the lake until it closes around him. At home, Vish sleeps through Matt, Danny, and Gisela cleaning the house. Anji calls later to tell Vish that his dad is awake and talking and that he's going to be fine. A week later, Vish heads to Grey Cat Books. Gisela asks if he's spoken to Danny and then angrily slaps a piece of paper with six names typed on it down <sighs> Danny found it in his shoe after the cleanup Vish freaks out thinking that everything they did was all for nothing but Gisela tells him to stop she didn't lose two people and devote years of her life to nothing 
six potential Noxair are definitely better than 12,000 of them. Yeah. Gisela sends Fish upstairs to the apartment where Matt and Danny are with their instruments all set up. Next to Fish's Stratocaster is a Fender Twin Reverb amp left for him by Agastya Fish. They have a full-on jam space now for their band. Danny pulls a pillowcase from the front of his drum kit to show Vish the band name they picked. Stenciled on. The Grimmer. (laughs) 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 It's amazing, but like, dude, what about those six Noxair that are out there? Sequel. (laughs) We can only hope. Okay. Everyone, go take a break. Maybe listen to some music. Some sweet 90s rock. Or older than that, I guess. Just take a break for a couple minutes. Just just go and listen to some banging tunes. Yeah. And also this promo for another show. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Don't say it. Don't say it. Stop it. I'm not going to say anything. Well, that's going to be a boring discussion. It's Fine, not. It's, get it over. Go, get it over. Just, get it over with. There's so much spit and disgusting things and I loved it. I hate spitting so much. There's so much spit. It's amazing. I hate brushing my teeth and having to spit. Like, literally, my gag reflex kicks in at times because I hate it that much. It's so good. Oh. It's so much spit and it's so gross. And Mr. Ferris being so, like, eerie. Oh, and he's disgusting. Peely and gross. And I just, I love everything about this book. I, I imagined Ferris, you know, as he starts to, like, get all liquidy and melt and slewing off it was indiana jones and the ark of the covenant like when they opened the ark at the end and the nazis just start melting yeah that was mr farris for me like farris was clearly an indiana jones villain yeah i could see that i could see that happening yeah stupid mustache and eyebrows (laughs) i love how it's described like it's just so thin and gross looking and he's wearing like an outfit that he does not need to be wearing as a, you know, 50-plus-year-old skin sack. I just... I love everything. I love everything about all of this. It's just so gross and good and amazing. And also there was (laughs) teeth stuff. Like, yes... Also, can I just say, male protagonist? 
Because I love yes. a male protagonist. I think this book might be written for you. It might have been. So good. <sighs> uh, that, do, uh, the tea thing I was fine with. Do you know what I don't get with spitting? Why people do it. Like, at least in the book, when Gisela makes the potion, for what I want of a better word, mm-hmm. it's for a reason, you know? It's to get and you know the magic into Vish to get the tooth out. Uh-huh. But it's like when people... And I don't know if it's a very if 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 it's a thing that happens in America, but it certainly happens in the UK, and it's mainly men. Okay, I'm ster- I'm not stereotyping. This is my life experience shows me this is men do this. They're just walking along, and then they'll just yeah, they'll they'll gob a, a load of spit, and I make just, myself feel sick thinking about it. Almost just threw up. I really did because it's just gross. Why do people do that? I don't get it. I don't know. Like it makes me feel obviously, very visually, physically sick. Stop it. There's no reason. There's no reason for you to spit randomly in the street. No, don't do that. There's no reason. Brushing your teeth, spit. You have a sore throat and you've got a, you know, you're coughing and there's stuff comes up. You've got to get a spit the ick out fine you're making a magic potion to get rid of the horrible the zaz evil tooth from your you need to make the spit fine i've got three instances of spitting tooth tooth brushing illness magic yeah it's the only times you're allowed to spit i i can't think of any i mean are there any other reasonable times to spit i don't I don't think so. Some you've t- you've you've put something disgusting in your mouth, and you know the food, and it turns out that it's sour or off, and you need to spit it out. But that's different because you're not spitting; you are extracting the foreign object. Yeah. Saliva is not a foreign object. It needs to be in your freaking mouth. So stop spitting. So you just don't like recreational spitting. Yeah. Yeah. Recreational spitting. Okay. (laughs) And I wasn't like feeling ill with the amount of spitting that was happening. I was just, oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Now it's done. That's. I'm going to get off my soapbox about spitting. You're going to stop spitballing about. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I want to talk about something that I really, really liked. Teeth. Teeth. Um, (laughs) Yes, that's not what I wanted to talk about at this exact moment, but it's also good. I love that scene, pulling out your teeth and putting your teeth into someone else's mouth and making them swallow it is disgusting. And I thought they might have been a little bit squishy, you know, like, you know, they're infected and stuff, so they're not wholly solid mm. and they have a little bit of a, mm. a gummy yeah. texture to them. So I made that seem a lot worse. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> um what I liked what I liked though was that, you know, after you found out, spoiler alert, I was surprised 
about Agastya being Vish. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that's what was happening at all. So it was really well done. But then yes. going back, because I listened to this, like, immediately after I found out about it. And then we decided that we were going to cover it. So, of course, I had to listen to it again. There were so many tells. Yes, I'm so annoyed. I'm joining you with this. It is my surprise as well. It's a fantastic twist. It was so good. Like, yeah. there's there's even one time where Agastya's like, oh, yeah, Dad's in the hospital right now. Yeah. But the way it's written and the way he says it, it's like, oh, you're upset because your dad's in the hospital right now. Like, oh, yep. Dad's in the hospital, isn't he? Yep. Ooh, so good. Yes. He knows his way around the kitchen when he's getting things. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I don't know, was it Isla who hid the chocolates or was it? Agastya Vish who hid the it chocolates. It had to have been Agastya Vish who hid the chocolates. Which I loved yeah. that too. I was like, oh. That, that was the slap too. in the face towel. That was a huge <laughs> slap in the face towel. So yeah, the first time round, didn't get it. Second time round, I was so annoyed that I didn't pick yeah. up the towels. Yeah. And like, there's a scene where Agastya is like smelling the house and you can just see him remembering being in that house as a kid. Oh, it's so the, good. The way he talks to Angie as well. Yeah. Like, the, the few interactions that he has with his mom. Yeah. It's, it's you kind of like, actually, he's being very differential, deferential, but not he's not being deferential in terms of an employer to his employee's mother, because yeah. there's a familial not relationship there, and it was like, Oh, how did I not get that twist? Twist. Um, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit to favorite final thought quote. There's a quote that I really liked that goes with this that we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I just really, I really, really liked it. And now I have to go down and look at my notes for that. Um, okay. That's Vish seeing Agastya when Agastya's talking about Isla. Vish was witnessing an emotion that was private, a level of honesty and nakedness he himself wouldn't be able to show anyone. At least not yet. And I was like, oh, you are, you are doing it. You're doing it later in your life and it's amazing. Honestly, it, I, I'm actually very annoyed with myself that we didn't pick up on it. But he doesn't. Like, I mean, it's not his face. Yeah. He has a different face and a different, like, everything's different about him because of, you know, magic. So. Yes. It was extremely well executed. Yes. And it wasn't one of those twists where you're like, oh, no. Oh, why did you do that? Nah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. It was very good. Do you know what I'm glad about, actually? What? And it may happen in a future one. I don't know if it will. But I'm glad it didn't happen in this one. Vish, obviously, like, quite fancies Gisela. But he is hell intimidated by her. Yes. 
And Gisela doesn't seem to interact with Vish in any kind of romantic way. Oh, no. And that it's was so very great. friendly. Yes. And there is absolutely no smooching, no romance. And remember, I like a romance. Sure, you know, I yeah. like a book with smoochies. But there was none of that in there. And I'm glad. I'm so glad that there was none of that in there. And yeah. if it happens in a later one, fine. I mean, whatever. But I'm so glad that it wasn't in this one. It didn't need to be in there. Well, I just feel like now, especially at the end, Vish will know, well, I'm not going to end up with Gisela. <laughs> but I guess well, he's yeah. going to be a different person. And so it's fine. There's a lot of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey stuff happening and, you know, variants and timelines shooting off and all of that sort of the stuff. The temporal but... police are going to be on this. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 we're in the multiverse. We are. We are. So is he going to be with Isla? Is he going to be with Gisela? Is he going to be with somebody completely different? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Because he's not, he's not a Gastiavish anymore because he did a fundamental thing and reconnected with Matt and Danny. Yes. Which I absolutely love, the fact that Matt and Danny never gave up on Vish. Yeah. And they realised they made a mistake, but their hearts were in the right place. Yes. I think, and... I think a lot of that too is Angie being upset that like she and her family are the subject of gossip. Yes. Because they're already outsiders, kind of. Yes. So, I don't know that Vish would have really been as upset about people finding out, like, people who care about him finding out about his dad if his mother wasn't so focused on it. Well, he does come up with a revelation. He does finally say to Matt and Danny, you know, at the end of the day, Actually, Matt and Danny, I think, pointed out to him that at the end of the day, everybody was going to find out. Yeah. It's just, unfortunately, it came through that route rather than the other gossip yeah. mill. Yeah. Um. So it was going to happen and they were going to be the subject of town gossip. It just, unfortunately, Matt and Danny were embroiled in that. And I think, you know, Vish realising... Yeah, and at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What matters is that I've got my friends back and I can get my guitar out of the cupboard and do what I want to do and love again. And those are fundamental differences that's going to create the multiverse. (laughs) multiverse. Um, You know, so I'm glad that has happened and I'm glad that Matt and Danny did not give up on him. And can I say, like, the audio narration... It was Jacob Matchin who did it. Mm-hmm. Was for me spot on. Like yeah. he did Mr. Farris's voice, like this wiener creepy guy. Yeah, you, 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 he he was part creep, part wiener. Yes, and you could I could you could tell there was bad facial hair, and he was oh, yeah. you know mistaken from a duffel bag at points. Yeah. He did a fantastic job with his, and he did a really good job at differentiating between. Vish, Vish, Matt, and Danny's voices as well. Yeah, you know, three teenage boys can, could sound very similar, but he did a fantastic job yes. of differentiating those voices, and he did a fantastic job with Gisela as well mm-hmm. and Angie with the feminine voices. So I really rated the audiobook narration. I yeah, it was, it was fantastic. 
Yeah. Even if there were Canadian Mormons, which but I, I don't but know it's what the word. It's set in Canada. It's written by a Canadian. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's allowed to be. They're allowed to be Canadian because they are Canadian. Is it Canadian though? Because there was no Tim Hortons. I mean, it's like, is it a British book if you don't have a double decker bus and a, and a red post box? <sighs> There's no tea involved. There's no, no tea. Um, do you know what else I like? Ooh, ca- what? Yes. Yeah, no, you go first. You had a finger. No, I was, you had a finger in the air. I had a finger up. Please, can I speak? No. <sighs> right. Munish. Vicious Dad. Uh-huh. I didn't like it. I was a bit angry. I'm angry that Vish got sent away for his dad's mistakes. Yeah, that was really I, I unfair. I don't understand that decision. I guess just keeping him out of that troubled household. They thought they were doing a good thing, but... It, it didn't come across the fact that they were trying to save him from seeing his dad. No, I think, through. again, it's just... Aren't you being embarrassed yeah and it, it, it it's like it's like for me it was well we don't want to deal with anything else other than this addiction right now so you have to go away yeah so we don't have to deal with you it was like they were kicking him out yeah i did i did not protecting him no yeah i did I, not that, love it I did not love that at all. I mean, that's just my interpretation, like the feeling that I got from it. And I think everybody will be different. And especially if you've been in a household where addiction has been or is a problem, you can think, actually, let's get the children out of there so they don't have to see the parent suffering, withdrawing, changing, going through all of those myriad of withdrawal yeah let's protect them from that so i think from a parent's point of view yeah they might have seen it as protecting him but for me for me it felt like they were getting rid of him so they didn't have to think about him yeah it wasn't a positive thing no that might just be me no i felt the same way i don't think that's the way we should deal with our problems yeah, and even when he came back, it's like his dad just seemed really off. Like, oh, I don't want to listen to your music. Your music's rubbish. It's like, no, you can't have a job. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. It's like you've 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 kicked him out. Now you've brought him back. He's two years older. You've barely seen him except for holidays. I think you need to build on your relationship. Yeah. And I think you need to give him a break. Yeah, you need to try a little bit harder, I think. Yeah. I felt really angry about that situation. Yeah. There we go. Anywho, moving on. Um, Did you have a favourite character? Buddy, the cat, was MVP. All cats are MVP in this world. Well, I would dispute that, but... You know, I'm not a cat person, I'm a dog person. I said in this but, book, well, because yes. Moby was also a hero. 
But Moby yeah. was not a laser cat. No, no laser cat, which is <laughs> you can see that it's like the eighty style where the, you've got the triangle in the background and the yeah, and then the cat and then the laser eyes coming out. Yeah, there was a whole skit on um, Saturday Night Live, which I don't even know if you know what that is. I know what Saturday Night Live okay. is. I yeah. do watch Saturday Night Live skit reels. I recently watched the Jason Momoa um, Always Thinking About Rome one, and that was very funny. Um, there was one several years ago with an action movie, and they had they had to use cats instead of guns for some reason, but it was... <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I thought of. Laser cats. <laughs> it was amazing. Nice. Yes. I love a laser cat. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? I think Agastya was my favorite. And that's okay to say because he's not the main character, even though he is. Oh! oh. <laughs> I don't know. I liked him. I thought he was funny. I thought, I mean, he was obviously sad about a lot of things, but I don't know. I don't know. I just liked him. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel sorry that Agastya obviously started having addiction problems before he met Ida and all these, you know, the magic issues. Yeah. Well, so he obviously I mean, never got the therapy. Hello. That Vish is getting. It's running in the family. Well, yes. But it te- that says to me that Agastya's parents didn't get in the therapy that he needs to process. Yeah. So yeah, he's vicious making the positive ste- steps that I guess you didn't. But well, I'm gonna work at a record store, dude. You could do better than that. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Like when this is the '90s, and it's like ten years later, you're gonna be in a record store. Like, I don't think that's a something to be proud of. In the, you're gonna be out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like. Vinyl's making a comeback now, so it would be cool now, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but they're like, it's like little indie vinyl shops that like you're lucky if you can find them. They're very, yeah. It's not a stable income. No, it's not. <laughs> Saying that, neither's been a, a, a band, so. No. No. Anywho. But it's fine. <laughs> Um, Fish can make his own mistakes that I guess you never got to make. Sure. Now he can make his own special and different mistakes. Yeah. Right. Claire, is it time for Would You Rather? Of course it's time. It's overdue. It's past time. (laughs) And this time is very special because we are joined by the author of this amazing, disgusting book full of spit and teeth. (laughs) Stop saying spit! Yay, thanks for joining us, Nevin. You're amazing, and we love your book so much. Oh, thank you. That's great. Love to hear it. You're going to get tired of our fangirling, I think, but you know what? I'm not sorry about it. No, don't apologize. Don't lie again. We've already established that you're full of lies. (laughs) Well, let's dive into Would You... Oh, Pew Pew. Oh, yes. Pew 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 Pew. We asked on social media, would you rather hang out with old friends and start a band or meet new friends at a bookstore? On Facebook, 86% said they're going to go to the bookstore. 
On Instagram, it was 100% to the bookstore, which may have something to do with the hashtag bookstagram, I'm, I'm supposing. <laughs> and all of our friends on Instagram are authors. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> on TikTok, however, 64% are going to start a band. And on threads, which have started doing polls, great, 80% to bookstores. I think there is an element of bias because we do have a lot of, obviously, bookish followers and friends and things. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Before we answer, we're going to give you some comments because they do help us with our reasoning why and what we're going to pick. So Brie on Facebook, superfan Brie, said, hmm, both these are going to make me go broke. As fun as starting a band with all friends is, I became a punk drummer for a year because of this, which, you know, Brie, you are a legend. At this stage of my life, I don't want to lug you around to shows and practices. I'm meeting new friends who own a bookstore. That's a good answer. It is. It is. That's extremely solid reasoning. Yeah. Coral on Facebook said, silly question, bookstore all day. I think a band sounds like way too much work. And then superfan Lindsay agreed and says that she will always choose bookstore. And then Coral came back to Lindsay and said, it sounds a little easier with a band, you have to travel on a bus. No thanks. And what if no one shows up at your shows? But what if nobody shows up at your bookstore? <laughs> like you've got an author reading or something. You see those on Twitter all the time where nobody shows up to the author readings. It's like, no, I'll come. I like that she she shoots right to touring on a bus too. Uh, and I never made it to that point of the career. The bus, is, the bus costs a few bucks. You're in a terrible <laughs> van or a minivan. <laughs> oh, the van years mm. they're the bus years mm. Lydia on Facebook says I have a guitar and an amp so she's already ready to tour she is already ready to tour actually she doesn't have her guitar and amp she actually let me borrow her guitar for um, our our episode picture because it's a I mean cool. it's exactly Vicious guitar so <laughs> You've stolen Vicious guitar. That's I stole terrible. it. I I have Vicious That's guitar. I have it. Terrible. It's fine. It's fine. Let's see. We have more comments. Um, Headzilla on Threads said, "You see, this is a tougher one than you might imagine at first. I mean, on one hand, bookstore. On the other hand, that means going out and meeting new people, which I don't know about you, terrifies the sweet holy fuckery out of me." Then there's the fun of sex, drugs, and rock and roll with your nice, warm, safe, friendly friends who you've known forever, and you don't need to worry about all the bullshit that comes along with getting to know new people. That's it. Banned. I'm very just surprised so you, by that. Just so you don't have to meet new people? <laughs> no, just knowing who Hedzilla is, that the big band. Mm. Be sitting there on the ukulele. <laughs> Meryl Child on Instagram, aka author friend Rosie Talbot, Definitely the bookstore. Obviously, she works in a bookstore. Preferably with one of the magical portals hidden in the shelves and a really good cafe. Now, I'm sorry, but Rosie obviously has one of these portals in the bookshop she works in. She must. So she's she's not answering from fiction. She's answering from life. (laughs) Our last comment is from Instagram, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's uh, from Nadia Johnson Books. And their response is bookstore, unless it's an ABBA tribute band, in which case my friends and I are so ready for that disco mess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in an ABBA tribute band. That sounds terrible. 
I banned Abba. I banned Abba at my wedding. <sighs> I don't mind Abba. I think they're pretty good. But the uh, the barrier for entry of being an Abba cover band, I think, is probably higher than a lot of us expect. Those are some tough tunes to pull off. Yeah. As well yeah. as very annoying once you've heard them ten thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I will say though, if you're ever in London, you get the chance to see the Abba Voyage show, which I did this year for a friend. We went for a friend's birthday, and it's all 3D electronics. The lights are fantastic. It's an absolute show. And I'm not an Abba fan, but that mm-hmm. was really fun. That was really good. Very so if cool. you're ever in London, go and see that. And I think that considering going to Las Vegas with it, it's yeah. all purpose built stadium and everything. So it is oh. fun. Even if you yes. don't like Abba, it is fun. Great. Um, do I have to answer it now? Yes, we insist. Yeah. Um, I would go for a bookstore at this age in front of my life. I think that sounds like more fun. And, you know, it's not impossible that it does become part of my future at some point. If I, 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 I've always kind of wanted to have part of a bookstore, at least, to own that. So, And, yeah, having said that, I think the counter-argument is not that I'm going to double up my answer. I've already decided it's a bookstore. But um, when I was in bands, when I was young, I took it so seriously. And like it, it was it was something that I needed to to do like and think of as being my career. Um, I think it would actually be really fun at this age to just do a band and have fun with it if you're supposed to. Just enjoy playing music. And that's not really a thing you can do as a business owner. You've got to kind of like bear down and, and do it. Whereas a band with your old friends can be just meeting up once a month in a, in a practice space and having fun. Mm. Yeah, you just jam. Hmm. I have no musical talent whatsoever. I can do a lot of weird shit, a lot of random things, but I, I just, music eludes me. Yeah. I can't. I can't do it. So I have to own a bookstore. A... Yeah, I guess. of course. Yeah. yeah, but also, I mean, I kind of do, except for it's not a bookstore; it's a library. But that's fine. You technically don't own it; you manage it, and I mean, it doesn't have books on a shelf yet. But it will. <laughs> my, I'm I'm opening up a new branch in my community of of my library system, and literally, hey. my blood, sweat, tears, and arm hair are in this branch. So it's mine. I'm I'm claiming ownership. Yeah, you're not the owner. You're at least the overlord, god emperor. Yes. It is. It's your. It's your library. Yeah. I am going to name myself overlord of the library. Good. Thank you for I that. Do. I approve. Yes, I'm gonna. I I, a... I look forward to that sign on your office door. Yep, I'm doing it. I'm. Excellent. I need to make myself a note right now because I am. I, I've overlord. already written it down for you. Don't worry. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I too am going to have a bookstore. I I have not a, a musical bone in my body. I've always wanted to own a, a indie bookstore with a cool kids section at the back with all the fairy tale stuff. I want you know the the a fantasy section. I want to really heavily theme it. I want the nice cafe. I want to smell mm. coffee, and I want a tabletop section because I'm a massive tabletop geek as well. And have tabletop nights, and I want to have book club nights. But I also want the book club nights where you don't have to talk to anybody. You can literally just come, have a beverage, 
sit and read a book in somewhere comfortable and warm and a safe space and just chill. And if you want to talk, you want to talk. That's fine. But it's just, you know, that companionable silence that you can get. Yeah. So, yeah. And I want to do loads of author events and just, like, I will make sure people turn up to it. Yeah. This level of detail, it sounds more like a business plan than a dream. <sighs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I have thought about it, but There's where I live, I don't know how much an indie bookshop would work. Well. Okay, so then what you need to do, you need to move here to to the United States, and then we open the fictional Hangover bookstore. I'm good name not... for a bookstore. But 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 National Health Service and uh, guns. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so yeah. you need to come here. And we'll just go to a bigger city. Okay. We yeah. have we have free healthcare in Canada too. So <gasps> let's go to Canada. On you. Let's, <laughs> let's go to Canada. Let's, let's just go to middle. Canada. <laughs> yeah. Not not to say that the system isn't incredibly overtaxed, like the NHS. I mean, overtaxes and like very busy. Not that I, yeah. Not that I mind paying taxes. I like paying taxes for good social services. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not paradise. No, but at least we don't have to pay, like, be worried about going to the hospital in an ambulance exactly. and forking yeah. out thousands and going into debt. Yeah. So yeah, okay. We'll Thank how you. we'll both uproot just... and we'll both go to Canada. Let's let's just we'll just do that. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I'm no longer depressed about living <laughs> in the United States with my very expensive, very bad health insurance. If we're no, moving to Canada. Can. It's fine. Yes. What a grim turn to, to what did I do? I know. I what, is what is happening? What is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> do we need to start talking about teeth and spit again? Oh look, yes. question yeah. two. Yay! <laughs> Would you rather have Ferris put his teeth in your mouth or drink the spit hairball potion? I would go spit hairball potion. Oh. Um because the, the tea thing is like so in the book it's just so intentionally violating and creepy and sticks with you whereas the spit thing is meant to like one thing it's a friendly gesture if not entirely like fully consensual it's a, it's a person trying to help him and also like it helps his body reject things as opposed to have them be part of him forever so yeah I, I think definitely spit oh yuck if it I'm... makes you feel better, it's more phlegm than spit. Like very <laughs> mucusy, thick phlegm. I'm gonna tear my A4 now just so I don't hear any more conversation. I think right. I think you're gonna make Claire vomit. I'm Has so... that happened on the podcast before? I like to no. have bowls. No, this this, this okay. would be the first. This yeah. would be the first. I'm not actually gonna do that. I would not want to make that happen. No, However, please. I think I could. I think I, I think could. That oh, Max is all for it. Which I am. Who would be amazing? We'd all feel so bad, like you, because you just fallen. She would not. You would. You would. Amanda wouldn't. Amanda would just be laughing, and then the vomit, the video of me vomiting, would be everywhere. (laughs) Would be all over social media. She would post it all across social media every freaking day. (laughs) She would set up timed posts to keep the duck going on. Great. That's my best friend, everyone. That's my best friend. I'm a really good person. <laughs> <laughs> what are you okay. doing, Amanda, while I recalibrate? Um, 
it's really hard to say because, I mean, they're both really gross. But I've got my weird obsession with teeth in horror books. So, I mean, I guess that's what I have to pick just because I love creepy teeth things. That's what I have to pick. I, I was so, oh, so good. I love, I love weird teeth things. And this book was full of it's, weird it's teeth It's something things. that's definitely grown as we've been doing the podcast. Like I at know. first, eh, teeth, I cool. Think I, now I think I just like forced it into existence. Mm. It's definitely been manifested. It has been. I love yeah. it so much. I, I too am going to pick teeth just so I don't have to think about the alternative. Because even moderately thinking about my stomach is turning. Yeah. It's, you uh, really... It really it sneaks up on me. Like uh, The last thing I wrote was uh, a non-YA horror, like just a slim novella. And in that case too, like there's things in it that are so obviously gross when people tell me about like, oh, this part of your book was so disgusting. And to me, I'm not, because it's not intentional to like write something gross. I'm just writing like what makes sense in the scene. Um, what, what is cool or interesting in the scene in some cases, I just never realize like how actually, what the effect is going to be of like, it's disgusting. And yeah, certainly talking about it a little out of context, both those things are really gross and I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. Never. Don't apologize at all. You, you never be sorry. Getting this kind of visceral reaction out of yeah. someone should be exactly what you want as an author. And mm-hmm. you know, bravo, sir, bravo. It's two things I hate are things in walls. I don't mm. know. It's just like in spitting. And as we discussed with me and Amanda, and when we talked about it, we kind of boiled it down to recreational spitting. Like, <laughs> what, and I don't know in. I don't. I said I don't know in American. I certainly don't know in Canada, but it's a thing where and then British men, the vile creatures that they are, yeah. seem to just walk along. Not all of them, but what, there's a certain stereotype. Walk along and they'll just hock a loogie and just right really yeah. lob something thick and viscous out. And it's like, <laughs> why are you doing that? I've got to walk on that path now. That's disgusting. Yeah. Brushing your teeth, fine. Illness fine you know getting something that needs to be out a foreign body out of your mouth fine yeah but it's just oh. also who has that much extra a... spit how do you feel about chewing tobacco what is that don't understand <laughs> it <laughs> don't understand it but it's just you know is it backy uh no i think i feel like that's quite an american thing as well chewing tobacco now i yeah, feel like geez. In the American South. Hey, y'all. It's all over the place. Gross. I'm adding that to the list of why it's... Why we're moving to Canada instead. (laughs) Where are you both based, if I can ask? I'm in Toronto in Canada. I am in the northeast of England. I am in Arkansas. Arkansas, cool. Never been there. Been to Tennessee. I've been to uh, Louisiana, but not Arkansas. There's some good stuff here. There's yeah. also some not good stuff here. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I've had, I, I like this out though. I, I, I have a, I'm a member of the Southern Foodways Association. All that, like, a, my very yes. first book was about was a food book and like they invited me down to do 
a talk and yeah, I really came to learn more about the South than I did before. Yeah. Have you been to Waffle House? It's my dream. My dream I have is to been go to Waffle House. <gasps> my dream is to go to Waffle House. It's the one thing I want in this world is to go to Waffle House. <laughs> it's it's pretty neat. I like it. Very efficient, very nice place. You know. But also, you know that white tablecloth thing. I've always said to Amanda, if I ever come to the South and we go, we're going to do a live episode from a Waffle House. <laughs> and it's Great just going idea. to be me eating hash browns. <laughs> yes. That's my oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Don't be jealous. Let's move Waffle, on. Waffle, Waffle House. <laughs> Hit us up for some sponsorship. Come on. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Oh. <sighs> What's our next question? I have no idea. <laughs> Would you rather own a bookstore or a record store? A uh, bookstore, absolutely. One thing, like I find it easier and more fulfilling to keep up with book world, book life, and to have the knowledge and the engagement to run a record store. Not something I want to do at this point. I'm a uh, Especially like when it comes to more popular music, I feel completely out of step and lost now. I listen to tons of music still and tons of new music too, but just like I've never, I never thought I'd feel so alienated by what's on the radio or like yeah. watch like the red carpet and MTV and be like, I, I don't know any of these people. But of course it's inevitable. Like that's yeah. when, when my father was 40 and, and he was watching what I was listening to or what I was watching on, on those channels he felt just mystified I don't know why it came as such a surprise to me that I would become an out of touch older man <laughs> no, you, you listen to the radio though and you think if you, as long as you consistently listen to the radio why shouldn't you know who these people are mm-hmm. but I mean my, rec- my, my music knowledge is terrible I, I know what I like and who I like but I couldn't actually tell you like album names or song titles I just it's just yeah. not information that sticks movies yes music yeah. for some reason no yeah so yeah for that reason i'm having the bookstore yeah Excellent. i i want to have a bookstore too definitely but then again also i got the, the whole library thing going on uh where yeah. i am the overlord yes, overlord. yes. Mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like if i had a record store it would just be like only the things that i like which would include like 90s late 80s early 90s like hip-hop and um you know classic rock weird al all over the place (laughs) no one would want to come to my record store it's weird al it's sir (laughs) mix-a-lot there's a there's some journey there we'll keep journey no nobody would want to come to my record store I like it. I like the sound of this place, but <laughs> I understand its limitations as well. Yeah, nobody, Any nobody band wants to come here. Which would you'd go? You'd be accused of witchcraft if listening to. That would be mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah, and then some random pop stuff in there because damn, I've got taste. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's eclectic. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, look, I'm. I rarely listen to music anymore. I'm always listening to an audio book instead. So it's, it's just, still yeah. really, it's still really important to me. And like, it's, it's 
I always thought that I'd outgrow heavy metal, especially like when I started to listen like death metal. I just never assumed like, oh, well, this is clearly something that eventually I'm just going to seek into listening to like Bach and Brahms because it has, you know, <laughs> the same kind of chromatic scales. And I do listen to Bach and Brahms, but I also still listen to Carcass like this. It's never gone away for me. And yeah, I still listen to a lot of music every day. Yeah. Um, and as a result, I feel like I'm, I, I've lost touch with like, important new media things like podcasts and and even audiobooks like i i definitely like kind of skew musical more than listening to to the voice yeah sometimes i've got to have a dance party in my kitchen sometimes i've got to sit back yeah. and listen to a book yeah yeah i'm almost always listening to a book and like the only time when I'm not listening to a book, like when I'm in the car driving, is that I just finished my book and I'm driving so I can't start another one safely. Yeah. So you settle for the radio. Yeah. Well, and you know, and then I've yeah. got like satellite radio. So then it's oh, okay. it's the 90s music, which is fine. Yeah. Or my classic rock, which is fine. There's not a Weird Al station, though, on the satellite yeah. radio. Yeah. Need, to, need, need to work on that manifesting manifesting <laughs> manifesting yeah you see my my commute is always quite long like if i'm if i know i'm not if, if and i get stuck in traffic it's a long commute and traffic uh because of roadworks so i check to see how much of a book i've got left and if i mm. don't think i'm going to make it home then i'll line up about three or four different podcast episodes depending on what i'm listening to um, just to make sure i have that consistency because I don't like chopping and changing between. I like to like zone mm. out uh, and listen to one thing. So I've been listening to a lot of true crime lately. And oh, yeah. I was just telling Amanda I was listening to like the West Memphis 3, where, again, it's all like the music that they listened to and the books that they read got them accused of these terrible crimes. Mm. So I'm like, oh, well, we're going to get done for murder now if based on their history. That's such an... In- that's such an intense and crazy story and that actually that always like really hit up i remember that was like metallica licensed their music to the first list documentaries for free because they were like big believers in it. and also it just feels bad to have a kid in jail with your t-shirt on because he's wearing your t-shirt but i it, it really resonated for me like i had a lot of uh similar childhood teen stuff to vish in this book in terms of the, the things i was into not thankfully not his like difficult family situation but just made me realize like you know different place different time i could be in jail for wearing this t-shirt and not even a different time it was basically the same year that i was getting into all this stuff so how dare you have naturally black hair as well i mean obviously just yeah Yeah. crazy it's crazy stuff it's crazy anyhow should we have another question yes (laughs) Why why are my questions like the worst ones oh because i read them oh Oh, that's why Um, okay would you rather do this on purpose i know use spit or a cat laser ball as a weapon cat laser ball (laughs) because bloody hell with the spit (laughs) i know it's so good definitely definitely the cat laser ball because it all like uh, it helps the cat eventually because it's not you know kind of like takes out a lot of toxic spiritual plaque and also it's very cool and unexpected and yeah. i have to admit i feel really weird talking about that part of the book but you guys did say this is a spoilery podcast oh yeah we've already yeah. told everybody that buddy is the mvp and saves the day 
Yes. Yeah. This is actually, by the way, let me see if I can free this. This is the real buddy's collar. Unfortunately, <gasps> he's no longer with us, of course, oh. but that's why. That's part of like the origins of this book is oh. I really missed my stupid dead cat. Oh. Put him in a book. Yeah. And he lives forever. As long as enough people read the book, of course. Yeah. So if you care about my cat. And he's got laser powers. So. Exactly. Yes. Oh. I don't know if you could hear one of my cats was outside of my door meowing earlier. So. Oh, yeah. They wanted to participate. We have a couple now. There's another cat in the book, Moby. That is yeah. one of my current living cats. And we have another new one. Yeah. She's rambunctious. She's good. Um, and what is her name? Who is she? Her name, well, it's a bit disputed in the house. My wife calls her Molly. I call her Mall, like uh, Mall, like in Daniel Defoe's Mall Flanders. I just think it's a cooler name. Yeah. 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 Oh. See, I just, I just have B. He's just like the letter B. B. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and Gozer, from Ghostbusters. Oh, excellent, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great cat name, actually. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, he's a, he's a good cat. Both of them are great cats. They don't have laser powers, though. That you know well, of. Just... Yeah, well, the you know, they, they've they had... extracted. Right. But they, they've had a good life. They don't have a lot of, you know, therapists, you know, sharing all, or people going to therapists, sharing all of their emotional drama and all of that stuff. They don't have that. They're just yeah. they're just fat, jolly, older gentlemen cats. They just chill. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So they probably wouldn't have lasers, unless no lasers. they've been into your library and been reading your books and had got the emotions <laughs> from the books. Right. You don't know what they're doing when you're at work. That's true. They do. I don't. I don't possible. know. I don't know what they get up to. <sighs> I don't think you answered the question. I don't think I did, did either. Yeah. I don't think I did. I mean, I, mm, I feel like you have to choose cat lasers. Yeah. Because you because you have to. But I feel like if if I did use spit as a weapon, I would injure myself more than I would <laughs> injure anyone else because I don't have that that's like spitting ability. I would just drool all over myself. Yeah. And that's. That's not that's not dangerous to anyone. Yeah. It's good to know it's good you know that about yourself so you don't get get into that situation. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I took my A4 now. I didn't need to hear it. (laughs) 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 Lastly, would you rather bounce around back in time or go to one time specifically? Jeez, this is always a tough one because, you know, there's so, there's, as like an English speaking brown guy, there's a lot of places in the past that I find fascinating that, that, I don't know, I might have a harder time blending in without it being pretty unpleasant for me. Yeah. But if, if that wasn't an, an object, it would definitely be like a, um, 1890s London, like, a, and mm. shortly after, like the sort of, Sherlock Holmes and Henry James era, like, I, I, that's that's kind of a, a time I feel like I would really like to live in. Are you going to solve the Ripper you know, murders? 
I think I'll stay just you know stay out of Whitechapel <laughs> and uh, have a very different life. Um, but yeah, there's something about the sort of bouncing around in time and sort of sampling things from different era in the Grimmer that I could see the appeal. That's why I wrote about it, of course, is I could definitely see the appeal. But it also makes you like sort of ageless and dislocated from reality in a way that if I ever wrote more about these characters, I'd really want to explore that more, like what it's like to be just completely not tied to a place and not tied also to like living a certain span of life and then dying. Mm. That's, I feel it begins to make you somewhat inhuman as like, as you don't really see that much of that in, in Gisela in, in this book. But yeah, if I did go on with this, this story, I think you would see more of that. Oh, yeah, that would be really cool. I love that she's like, well, I'm 16, but I'm also 786. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's it's a wide range of time. Quite a span. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's a debate of uh, age gaps as well. Yeah. <laughs> but we well, we talked about this. There was no romance in this book, so... Yeah, I mean, I just we didn't have to worry I, about I that. I thought that was pretty organic to that story. Like, he's just not, he's not dating material. Our our young protagonist in here. I feel like his friends Matt and Danny, both in their way, could could have like romance in even in this book if there were enough pages that could happen. But certainly in another book. But yeah, I just didn't see that as it wasn't a conscious decision of like I don't like romance in YA books or anything. I, it just. As much as it's very it makes a lot of sense that that Vish would crush desperately on Gisela, it doesn't make sense that that would be reciprocal in any way. Yeah. And yes. and the age gap thing is like it's significant. Like he's not he's a uh, he's not even quite his age because he's been sort of pulled out of his life for a couple of years. So he's got he's got that mix that I think a lot of bookish teenagers do, where you're pretty smart but you're also incredibly immature. Mm. Yeah. Which we appreciated, like, not I'm I'm not opposed to having romance in books at all, um, but I don't like it when it's shoehorned in or forced. You know, you made to. I can see, depending on trends and publishing houses, etc. You know, the political side to it, where you'd be told no, Vish and Gisela have to kiss at some point. They have to have a romance at some point. So I'm really glad that it wasn't in there because otherwise, you know. It was such an organic relationship that they did have. Um, mm. uh, I very much appreciated that. It was, that was nice. Thanks. That's great. Glad it worked. I'm going to bounce through time. There's not one time historically that I'm bothered by. Like, I need to see the pyramids being created. I want to see a dinosaur so badly. <laughs> you know, I want to go and see the Regency tomfoolery and all that kind of stuff. But I need medicine i need indoor plumbing i don't you know (laughs) antibiotics are a really relatively recent invention and damn i like them you know i like toilet paper (laughs) i like to be able to take a couple of ibuprofen when i've got a headache so i need to make sure that i am you know safe in these places there's a series of books that I absolutely adore called The Chronicles of St Mary's Um, it's excessively British and it is a time travel book don't say it's time travel though they they go and catalogue history in current time but you know that they say it's time travel Um, but they bounce around and they talk a lot about how they have to be dressed 
periodly appropriate. Mm-hmm. They have to undergo quarantines. They have to make sure that they've got all their inoculations all up to date. And there is one or two characters that do have that dislocation with time as well, which is very interesting to see. And what can happen if you are out of your own time. Um, so I kind of like felt with the Grimmer, I could see that very closely tying in um and they that 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 so the, the the their picture of time felt very close to what you were building as well so it felt very comfortable for me and i really enjoyed it but i, I need to be safe i need my toilet paper yes. i need my medication i'm taking antibiotics with me just in case so yeah i'm gonna bounce around and see a dinosaur yeah. very reasonable yeah i'm gonna have to do that too and it's interesting that you that you answered that in that way because that was my reasoning as well like i can't go very far back in time on account of the diabetes and you know needing insulin yes so i'll go and visit i'll take some extra supplies with me but i can't stay there i can't stay there because i'll just shrivel up and die yeah and that wouldn't be very fun yeah, nostalgia is a, is a dangerous thing politically in many ways, but there's also just this practical element of like as much as this seems like not the best time to be living, in many ways it is, which is crazy, but yes, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Could I go forward in time? Because maybe I'll go forward to a specific time, but then I don't know. And then also thinking about bouncing around in time, like, is it going to butterfly effect? Are terrible things going to happen? It's going to go wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and then the paradox police are going to come after you, and it's all just going to turn into a massive mess. It's dangerous. Do you really want to know the future? Do you want to go 10 years in the future and find out that somebody close to you is dead? No. Then that's why are you making this terrible? Because that's time normally is my terrible. job. <laughs> no, time is terrible. Going f- forward or back is terrible. You know, go the, if yeah. you. It's like going. Oh, I'm gonna go back to the 70s. You know, flower power man. No serial killers. Do you know how many serial killers were around in the 70s? Just don't Avoid let people... that shit. Don't go there. <laughs> don't pick up hitchhikers. Don't, don't pick, oh, help I've got people a list. move couches into their no, vans. Don't go into the forest. Don't camp. <laughs> don't hitchhike. Keep your doors locked. Don't sleep on the sofa. I've got a list now. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's just you you got to think of the practicalities. <laughs> the practicalities of survival in time. It's I'm, just glad, I'm just glad it went straight to serial killers. I've been listening to a lot of true crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to avoid the entire West Coast of the United States between about 1965 and 2000. Yeah, yeah, all serial killers all the time. Don't yeah. go to the Yorkshire area in the UK for and then around about the same period as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I mean, to be fair, wouldn't you be so tempted to just go back to like 1995 and invent YouTube? earlier than what it was and Amazon and stuff and be like yeah back to the future too of it Yes, I really liked how they did it that was so elegant in that movie that it's just like an almanac like baseball scores makes all the difference financially it's great it's amazing but then but then but then you get biffed 
Don't get yeah. biffed. Don't get biffed. Oh, you, and then Biff time was actually basically just Donald Trump. So it's terrible. It's terrible. Nobody well, wants to get biffed. We need him washing cars and being meek. We don't need him rising to power. Agreed. In a casino. <laughs> should we watch those? Oh, yeah, you should. I feel like Back to the Future is coming up in conversation quite a lot lately. And Ghostbusters. Yes. We do uh. tend to talk about those things quite a lot. <laughs> On a book podcast. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's fine. We're um, nothing if not eclectic. Right. Um, so that's the end of our Would You Rather question. Favorite final thought quote. That's where we are now. We are. Okay, I'm going to give you some. Okay. So we hang out in the occult section because we wear metal shirts, or do we wear metal shirts because we hang out in the occult section? <laughs> it's a philosophical question. Apologies for the exorcism of a vile spirit from your body not being quite ladylike, Vish. I'm a bit sorry for the ambush part of it, but the spit, you have to think of it more as a conductive fluid. Word spells are just book stuff, sorry to say. Magic is atoms, blood, and sometimes spit. <laughs> Alicia's given justification. Sure. Yeah. It is impossible to have a fist fight if there is a cat winding around your ankles, both for the reasons of balance and because it makes you feel ridiculous to make a fist when a cat is rubbing its head on your shin. <laughs> and bookstores are supposed to have cats. Those are fantastic. Um, I could give you more, but I'm going to stop. Sure. Now, I already read one of mine, so you can backtrack and listen to that quote. So I only have a couple more. Magic isn't incantations and chalk circles. It's physics and biology. It's finding flaws in reality or creating them. Ooh. And then this is my favorite and, like, I laughed out loud when I heard it the first time, and then when I listened to it again, I cracked up again. Vish, what you see when you see Zerg is just a version of what it, he, she, they actually is. Just what the light bouncing off the shape Zerg chose arrives to your eye as. That's what everything everyone sees is! <laughs> And it's in all capital letters in the text. And it's just amazing. Do you know what? It's got to the stage with Poovish where everybody's like, do you know what a fortnight is? Mm. Do you know what sight is? <laughs> you must just be getting so pissed off. That's what everything anyone sees is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, bless. Oh. And that's all I've got, too. I feel bad about it, but... It's just so no, good. no. I mean, just read the book. There's plenty of So good. Okay. If... A few more involving spit. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised I didn't have a bunch of teeth quotes, but... I mean, I was expecting it, but, you know... Okay. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Well, I was I was looking on internet web, and I found uh, readbrightly.com forward slash young adult witch books. Oh, sounds great. 
It does. So I thought, oh, let's have a look. Um, because sometimes the independent sites seem to have a little bit more of a variation of books than what, mm-hmm. you know, the mainstream bars and almost water stores, etc. Mm-hmm. And there was one that stood out to me and it's called A Wicked, a Wicked Magic by Sasha Lawrence. And the big thing that stood out to me, and I've put it in our show notes so Amanda can see straight away, is the cover. And it's beautiful. It looks like um, one of the Rorschach tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got candles and birds and trees if that's what you're seeing in a Rorschach test but right in the middle is a cat it's perfect so hashtag tenuous link cat on the cover cat on the cover it's a beautiful cover <laughs> it's a very good cover exactly go and have a look at it on Goodreads everyone so the summary from Goodreads the chilling adventures of Sabrina meets the craft when modern witches must save teens stolen by an ancient demon in this YA fantasy thriller debut Dan and Liz are witches the Black Book granted them that power. Harnessing that power feels good, especially when everything in their lives makes them feel powerless. During a spell gone wrong, Lissa's boyfriend is snatched away by an evil entity and presumed dead. Dan and Lissa's friendship dies that night too. How can they practice magic after the darkness that they have conjured? Months later, Liz discovers that her boyfriend is alive, trapped underground in the grips of an ancient force. She must save him, and she needs Dan and the power of the Black Book to do so. Dan is quickly sucked back into Liz's orbit, pushes away her best friend and Alexa. But Alexa has some big secrets she's hiding and her own unique magical disaster to deal with. When another teenager disappears, the girl knows it's no coincidence. What greedy magic have they awakened? And what does it want that with these teens it has stolen? And it's set in the atmospheric wilds of California's north coast. Apparently. And it talks about the complications of friendship, how to take back power, and how to embrace the darkness that lives within us all. But I thought it had some hashtag tenuous themes. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks quite good. Plus, I adore the cover. Right, so. yes. Sounds good. Yes. What have you got? Well... I went searching on Goodreads for things that other people like if they read the grammar. Oh no, you see, the problem I have with that now is that you, me, and Fictional Hangover, since we read all the same things, uh-huh. we're, are influencing that list yeah, heavily. Yeah, we're breaking the algorithm. But We are, which I do love. <laughs> yes, me too. But um, this one is not one that we have read or that I've even uh-huh. heard about. But it seems creepy, and there's a couple of... Hashtag tenuous links. It's called Let Him In by William Friend. Alfie wakes one night to find his twin daughters at the foot of his bed, claiming there's a shadowy figure in their bedroom. When no such thing can be found, he assumes the girls had a nightmare. He isn't surprised that they're troubled. Grief has made its home at Hart House. Nine months ago, the twins' mother... Pippa died unexpectedly, leaving Alfie to raise them alone. And now, when the girls mention a new imaginary friend, it seems like a harmless coping mechanism. But the situation quickly develops into something more insidious. The girls set an extra place for him at the table. They whisper to him. They say he's going to take them away. Alfie calls upon Julia, Pippa's sister and a psychiatrist, to oust the malignant tenant from their lives. But as Alfie himself is haunted by visions and someone watches him at night, he begins to question the true character of the force that has poisoned his daughter's minds with dark and violent consequences. Whatever this friend is, 
he doesn't want to leave. Alfie will have to confront his own shameful secrets, the dark past of Harthouse, and even the bounds of reality, or risk taking part in an unspeakable tragedy. Oh, that sounds good. So you can you can feel the hashtag tenuous links, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do we have new an indie spotlight? We do, and there are not many hashtag tenuous links with this one, except for the fact that it sounds really great, um, and it's it kind of reminded me of when we got the information about the Grimmer in our email. So, cool. It's called Forgotten Sisters by Cynthia. Palayo, and it comes out in March. Sisters Anna and Jenny live in a historic bungalow on the Chicago River. They're tethered to a disquieting past, and with nowhere else to go, nothing can part them from their family home. Not the maddening creaks and disembodied voices that rattle the old walls. Not the inexplicable drownings in the area or the increasing number of bodies that float by Anna's window. To stave off loneliness, Anna has a podcast spinning ghostly (laughs) tales of Chicago's tragic history. But when Anna captures the attention of an ardent male listener, she awakens to the possibilities of a world outside. As their relationship grows, so do Jenny's fears. More and more people are going missing in the river. And then two detectives come calling. They're looking for a link between the mysteries of the river and the girl's home. Even Anna and Jenny don't understand how dreadful it is, and still can be, when the truth about their unsettled lives begins to surface. I need to read this. That sounds phenomenal. Yeah. That sounds so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Secret Santa by Andrew Schaefer. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, threads, TikTok and YouTube at Fictional Hangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.